Welcome back to Subject to Cross. It's been a while. I'm Caroline Donato, and this is... Subject to Cross, or am I supposed to say Pete Kratza? You can say either. All right. I mean, I'm out of practice. I apologize. How long has it been? Since March, uh, and that was a Zoom, so we're really rusty. Man. I'm going to dust off the rust and the dust. That's like uh, six months, isn't it? It's a long time. Wow. We are practicing social distancing. We are. It's probably a solid eight feet. I, I hope so. <laughs> I made sure the air was circulating. Yeah, we'll be okay. All right. All right, so this week's episode is about the state of the United States Supreme Court. Pete, what is the state of the United <laughs> States Supreme Court? Well, yeah, I, I think we've managed to do a pretty good job of uh, keeping politics uh, out of uh, these podcasts, right? We try. Uh, so you're right. So, and I, you know, with few exceptions, you and I are pretty politically aligned. So I don't think it would be very compelling uh, dialogue uh, to discuss politics, you and me, anyway. It'd uh, be boring. Yes, uh, but it it's pretty apparent again without weighing one on one side or the other uh, politically that the Supreme Court has become extremely politicized. Uh, ideally, I think, you know, the way that our, uh, our government uh, was envisioned, politics would not come into play when it comes to our Supreme Court. That's why they have lifetime appointments, in theory. Mm -hmm. um, but politicians, whether they be Democrats or Republicans, get involved and, and ruin everything. Um, so the question becomes, should we revisit the way the Supreme Court uh, is, is composed or comprised? I don't know if I'm using the right word. In other words, you know, the party that's not in power right now wants to uh, talk about stacking the court, adding justices, which I didn't know. Did you know that that could be done? I don't know that it can. They'd have to change... It's not constitutional. It's like it, it's not in the Constitution that it says you have to have X amount of uh, Supreme Court judges. I didn't know that. Where'd they get the number nine? I don't know. Hmm. I mean, it's it, it must be legislative. Mm -hmm. um, so in any event, they could do it if they had the majority. That could be that never ending. Anything. Right. I mean, you know, you're going to end up with like, what, 45 judges on the United States Supreme Court. The other thing that's, that you and I read, that I read, because I always find the articles. I don't think well, I got a fair amount of credit for that. No, we, we'll give you credit. I mean, let's, let's give more of an overall view of this episode. You're reining me in? I'm going to rein you in a little All bit right. just to organize it. So I think what prompted this discussion and um, our research into how to frame this episode was Justice Ginsburg dying. And... Um, the aftermath of that has really provoked conversation, obviously. Um, we're recording this episode after the first presidential debate, which was last night. So today is September 30th. And that was, I think, the first question in the debate about the Supreme Court justice and the next nominee and when that should happen. Like questions mattered. Right. Well, and maybe we'll get censored if we have comments like that throughout <laughs> this episode. But the point is, Pete found a good, uh, a good article from The New Yorker. It was The Case for Ending the Supreme Court as We Know It by Kianja Yamada Taylor. Um, I'm impressed that you 
pronounce that. I, I would have just my said time. <laughs> K.Y. Taylor. I, I don't want, you know, it. it's a name worth saying. Mm-hmm. So Pete found this article, and, and we'll talk about that. Uh, I, I don't think... I don't think the body of the article really matches the title, but we'll get into it. And then the article I found was an opinion from, I think this is the Inquirer, but should the Supreme Court justices have term limits and the pros and cons to it? Wait a minute. You found this? I thought I found it. No, I sent this to you, and then you found the New Yorker article. You're going to have to prove that. You're going to have to prove that. Check your email from last week. read the Inquirer. Check your email from last week. All right, fine. Um, So that's really what prompted this discussion and i don't know that we have answers but what is pretty clear from a historical view is that the supreme court although our founding fathers intended it to be what was that it was like the chair sorry okay Mm. Although our founding fathers intended it to be objective. I get in a lot of trouble here. There's too much equipment. You know what I mean? And now with social distancing, you have me in the corner. There's like all kinds of strange. Let me paint a picture for the listeners. There's like strange things behind this curtain, pointy things, right? That I could hurt myself. So I'm like wedged in a corner to, you know, out of deference to you and social distancing. And then the table just barked at me. I have no (laughs) idea what that was. Okay. Good. I'm sorry. That's okay. As long as you're safe over there. I don't think I am. (laughs) Far enough away from me. Okay. Um, But the history of the Supreme Court really shows that the body of it, except for that Warren era, is not objective and any change really is in conjunction with societal movements and it's not because the supreme court was doing something that it thought was objective and constitutional but because the movement of the time required it to act you're talking about the new yorker article now right yeah yeah um but let's let's i mean that was impressive that brought me back to law school which was not a happy time in my life but you know she uh, the author, who I think is a professor at Princeton, right, mm-hmm. um, kind of showed that, you know, even these opinions that were otherwise uh, to be lauded in terms of uh, social justice were really, I think is this is what you're saying, were uh, precipitated by social change, right? Like, right. in other words, they were almost forced to do the right thing, right? And then when they were forced to do the right thing, whether it's the African-American uh, ability to vote um, or, you know, uh, fair housing, they would they would capitulate, they would get credit for that, and then they would water it down. That was her, in subsequent decisions, was the point of her article, correct? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think she she outlined that really nicely to show that theme of the Supreme Court wasn't proactive, it was reactive Correct. in the movement of the time. And reluctantly so. And reluctantly so. And I think that's why, I think this was a good article because it really, the whole argument that adding another conservative judge, and if I get censored on this, you know, sometimes I don't know the the line between political Who and Who would objective. censor you? McElroy Harvey would censor you. We get censored. Oh, really? Sometimes, yeah. No one censors me. Okay. All right. Um, but the Roe v. Wade concern, you know, I, you know, Ginsburg dies and, and you think, are they, could they really, could they really backtrack on that? 
But I guess in looking at... Narrator's voice, yes. Yes, they can. (laughs) But would they really? But, you know, it's 2020. Anything can happen, and the worst things happen. And I think this article, through Roberts's argument in Shelby County versus Holder, where he kind of backed off of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, saying racism doesn't really exist anymore, so you don't have to worry about it. I think that was really demonstrative of showing that, yes, something can change with Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. And that's devastating. Well, I think, uh, yeah, you're definitely going to get censored for that. Um, I... the the article, though, like you said, the, the title of the article is The Case for Ending the Supreme Court as We Know It. I, I found the article to be a you know very effective critique of the Supreme Court, but I don't know that, that the author uh, really was advocating, as you said, for you know ending it, which is completely— You just did a 180. Well, hold on. <laughs> I don't know what she was advocating. I mean, the way I uh, – she closes in the article by saying – It can't have an undemocratic role. It is long overdue to end the court's undemo- undemocratic role in the United States. So what does that mean? Well, that's, Does that mean you end it? You get rid of it? Or what do you do about it? So before we came on air, Pete was saying, how about this article that says we get rid of the Supreme Court? And I said, that's what the title says. But I don't you know could that- never prove that I said that because we weren't on air. I, I'm a witness. I'm telling what you said. What if I dispute it? Well, then the listeners can judge our credibility. All right. I guess it's like any jury trial there, which is often how it goes. I uh, I don't know what she's advocating, um, but uh, you know it's, it's obviously way too extreme, radical to end the Supreme Court. But maybe that's a segue into the next article. Well, before we do that, I think. The, the title of the article was confusing, but I think the body of the article, if you just ignore the title, I think what she's saying is history proves that it's not an objective body and it needs to be recognized so that somehow we can fix it. And history also proves the way to fix things isn't through the United States Supreme Court. It isn't through our president. It's not through the Senate. It's through movements. And that's I think she wants a movement to change how the Supreme Court operates. I will say that there can be a difference between somebody who's elected to the Supreme Court in the view that the public has and the president who's nominating that person has of that person. And then once they're on the Supreme Court, they can change. Well, I agree. Or they've never actually changed, but they've been misperceived, right? Right. And maybe that mitigates in favor of lifetime appointments. I mean, wasn't Souter supposed to be conservative? One of them was supposed to be like conservative. It didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when you didn't go last. So last year I was admitted to the Supreme Court and it was really cool because. Stop bragging. I'm not bragging. All right. But I'm proud of that. I think it was really cool. Mm -hmm. And part of it was after we got admitted, we were able to watch oral argument. And I thought it was really interesting to see how the judges were. Justice Gorsuch, who I, well, okay, I can't tell you what I thought of him when he was nominated, but he asked some really good questions in an immigration case in, in favor of somebody not being treated fairly. Um, you mean advocating. It, that's right. how his questions came right. across. Uh, Justice Kavanaugh came across exactly as expected. Um, Justice Ginsburg, I, I liked her because... She spoke only when she had something to say, 
and she took her time. And I think that is a skill that happens with experience. I don't know that I've mastered it yet, but I admired it of her. Justice Thomas, um, I'm not actually going to stop going through them because it starts to align with how perceived. But I think Gorsuch was the one that really stood out to me as the surprise. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I have no desire to go there. Isn't that weird? I want to move for your admission. Yeah. It's not on my my, uh, list of things to do. It, It doesn't. It's just not important to me. So then the question becomes, is, is it, what do we do about the Supreme Court? I mean, I think that New Yorker article spells out that we have a movement to ensure its, objective, its objective, objectiveness. But I think other options are, okay, you expand the Supreme Court, the number of justices, or you limit their term uh, to term limits. What do you think, Pete? What do you think would help? I would be inclined to advocate for term limits, as this uh, this article kind of has a, a you know counter counterpoint. The the one point is yes, they sh- there should be term limits, and then the other does make a couple good arguments about uh, why um, um, term limits would would only escalate divisiveness, divisiveness. I think you're supposed to say dis- divisiveness. I would normally say divisiveness. It doesn't device. sound good on my ears. No, it is. It's D-I-V-I-S-I-V-E-N-E-S-S. Divisiveness. Divisiveness. Whatever. I'll take your it word would make for them, it. You know, it, would, it would exacerbate the fact that, uh, that they disagree. Um, I like this idea of an 18-year non-renewable term with an appointment every other year. So it would ensure that every president was putting two people on the court. Um, additionally, what this advocate for you know term limits states is that it wouldn't remove a justice from her office upon completion of her term. Instead, after 18 years, the justice would become a senior justice, which already is in existence. Apparently, Sandra Day O'Connor did that, mm-hmm. went and served in a circuit court as a senior judge, and I think Souter. Um, Souter. Souter, sorry. Um, so uh, I, I, I would be inclined to, um, to be an advocate for uh, term limits. How about you? So I see the pros and cons. So the, the cons to term limits are that if you give every presidential nominee the ability to nominate two Supreme Court justices, then that gives that, that president the incentive to search for the most extreme nominee. So that's, that's one con. Um, and what, and that kind of makes, that politicizes it even more. And the other issue that um, this article acknowledged that I hadn't thought of, and that's, I think this was really thought provoking, is that justices who know that they will likely need another job after they retire from court might tailor their rulings to carry weight in favor of whatever they do after leaving the bench. I'm being like Justice Ginsburg. I'm waiting to pounce on both of your arguments. I'm not, they're not my arguments, but I think they're cons worth considering. I don't know that it has to be extreme either way. I'm, I'm kind of back to the movement where we have to ensure that we elect people to be the most objective they can. I like when judges decide to retire because at some point 
they should move on. They should become a senior judge or something in their life um, requires them to move on. And that's some of the resentment you might see about Justice Ginsburg was she held on too long. If she had retired during Obama's presidency, the left would say, then that would have given Obama another opportunity at another nominee. Okay. Your first point was, that, or your first, uh, yeah, your first point was that it, they would, a president would seek uh, out the most extremes. That happens already. Yeah. So I, I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. And then your second was this idea that they would tailor their decisions for employment. I read that in the article mm -hmm. and I actually put a note that that was attenuated and cynical. They're, well, they're judges. They're supposed to be doing the right thing. And to me, 18 years at any job is a long time. And I think that it would eliminate, for instance, your, um, your concern about hanging on. You know, maybe she wasn't ready to retire during a, a Democratic uh, presidency. And then she's, you know, clawing, staying, trying to stay on there as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And there was no evidence in her that, that I've even read from, from her um, uh, opponents that uh, that that she had lost any mental acuity, but that no. definitely is a possibility when you have somebody hanging on uh, because of political interest, right? I think that you know it, it, every every two years somebody would come off the court. Um, there wouldn't be this. You would it wouldn't be such a an an, uh, an election issue, such a a. Um, um, you know, like the, 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 what we have now, which is, you know, regardless of what side of the uh, fence you're on, it's ridiculous that they're going to try to ram it through in, in, what, 45 days? There's no way that the vetting and all that other stuff that would go on, if it were scheduled, if you knew when it was going to happen, I think it wouldn't be as politicized. And it wouldn't be as daunting because with, with Trump's nominees, for instance, they're so young. Oh, and know. so the daunting aspect is it's a lifetime it's a lifetime service if they choose right unless they choose to retire now the one argument that I saw that that you know in terms of uh, of arguing against term limits which to me is very significant and I'm I'm actually a little surprised you didn't pick up on this is the impact it would have on starry decisis thanks for the opportunity to speak you some just want Latin. to say some Latin exactly but it's true. You know, you want continuity in in Supreme Court decisions, and if you know it's it's going left uh, one one year and right four years later, and you're talking about pretty significant constitutional decisions, well, yeah, I could see that. Stare decisis is let the decision stand. So that's what Pete. We need to translate what that means. Why'd you have to one-up me? I didn't have to. I just didn't want anyone to get, oh, to get lost on right. that. But, you know, I, I, I wasn't very good at Latin, by the way. It was my least favorite. I was pretty good. Well, this is, I'll, I'll date myself. In high school, I took Latin. I think I got, well, I won't say what I got, but it wasn't a very good. How do you say D in Latin? Um, <laughs> and then I also, I had to take computer language. Do you what believe they taught us that? What's a it computer was, language? It was like uh, there was basic and some other language. The teacher didn't, I won't mention his name. He didn't like me. I didn't like him. I hated that class. It was like you had to write computer language. 
But it was what, the most useless class I've taken in my life. What next is to, computer language? Next to introduction to taxation in law school. I hated that class too. Um, you had to write code. Like you had to like, you. it's so hard to explain, but you, there would be a line and it would almost be like an if then. If this happens, then go to here. If that happens, then go to here. I mean, it was in retrospect, it was a little bit like uh, a puzzle. Sounds like a logic game for the a LSAT. A little bit, but it wasn't. And I'm, I was very good at those, but I hated computer language, and I didn't like Latin either. Um, but we're off topic. The, the point is that I can see a, a real valid concern being that there would not be continuity in, in constitutional law. But then the counter to that is there's already not continuity, mm-hmm. and it's always really affected by the movement of the time. Well, and think about it also. Let's say that a, a one one party has a, pick a, you know, abortion, okay? So they have, a, there's, there's Roe v. Wade. So the Democrats have uh, Roe v. Wade. And then a Republican president wins um, two terms. It's going to take eight years for them to get four. You know, it, it, it's just not as simple as every every two or four years that they're going to have an, a majority, not to mention how long it it's takes. It's going to be legal whiplash. Yeah, but uh, my point is that I don't think it would be. I think it would take a lot longer than that. And at the end of the day, I would think that those judges that, that they would appoint, I don't, I don't buy the argument that they would be more ideological. I mean, right now we're, we're so divided as a country that – Absolutely. Either side gets a judge in there. They're very likely not to be a centrist. Um, but the the point is that I don't I don't necessarily believe that just because there's going to be term limits that they would be even further polarized. We have to have people that we trust to do the right thing. You mentioned Gorsuch. Um, I, you know, regardless of what side of the um, uh, political spectrum you're on, I think you know Roberts is a is a great uh, Supreme Court judge. Uh, the criticism in that article, notwithstanding, um, and he he's he's been surprising in yeah, his opinion because he does what you know he follows the law. He doesn't have you know uh, an agenda as far as I can see, and that's all you can ask. Um, so yeah, I'm in favor of uh, of term limits. I'm always in favor okay, of term limits. I just I'm in favor of term limits for for congressmen, for for senators. You got that? All, all well for senators, term limits. Yeah. Oh, term term limits. Oh, I thought yeah. you meant terms. No, term limits. Um, and the the point is that I think it keeps people more focused on their job and not worried about in the in, in politics it's reelection. But here it would be: I got an eighteen year term to do the right thing. This is my legacy. I'm going to do the right thing. I think though. Just to talk through a little more the stare decisis issue, I don't know. There might be a little more legal whiplash than you might anticipate, especially because if the lower courts, the state courts, know and anticipate that that court is going to change, they could have a case that they know is going to take a certain amount of years to get to the Supreme Court and rule a certain way, anticipating what could possibly happen at the Supreme Court. So I don't know. I think that would might that might promote more litigation. But think about, you know, the, they say elections have consequences, right? Both sides say that when it suits them. And the Supreme Court is one of those issues. The electorate would know this every every uh, presidency means two Supreme Court judges. So I think, again, that would further blunt, like, the political aspect to this. You know what I mean? And if you had it set that, like, in the, the 
first year and third year of the president's term is when uh, judges would be elected. I think I think that it's definitely worth considering because, frankly, where we are now, you know, I think if the Democrats win, then you're going to have this push to add judges, which is very. Um, I don't know that that's helpful. Well, and it's it's just so uh, extreme, right? Um, term limits to me, it, it would not be an extreme measure. It would just be 18 years and you're off. I had one more thought on that, but it must not have been important enough to remember. Do you have anything else? No, I think I won the debate, though. Well, I don't think we were debating. Oh, we weren't? I don't think I was taking a position. I, I just think it's a really interesting issue. Um, and, oh, the, the other thought I had is I don't know that it's political enough for a big enough movement for the Supreme Court to react to it like it did uh, for the Voting Rights Act or the Civil Rights Act or anything like that, or the Civil War when uh, slavery was abolished. I think we've had some in the last five years, some good Supreme Court cases, um, socially good Supreme Court cases. So I think it's going to take a Supreme Court opinion that's going to rock this country to really promote a movement to promote some change that might happen this year because if the election is disputed and you know that goes up to the supreme court has you know uh rammed through a a justice who could be a tiebreaker you thought hank how old were you when hanging chads were going on i don't even know what that phrase means oh my god so zero (laughs) what is it the Gore-Bush election, Florida, hanging chads. Oh, I remember that. I was in the sixth grade. I never heard yeah. that term, but yeah, I do well, remember this, that. You know, with what's, I think, potentially going to happen this November, that'll make hanging chads look like, uh, you know, preschool. I think it could get really, really ugly. Um, and that's why that's, that is another area where the Supreme Court can become extremely important, extremely politicized, and why... I win the argument that term limits should absolutely be imposed. Okay, if you need to win an argument we weren't having. I don't win them at home, so I like to win them here. I'll I'll give it to you. But is it okay that I agree with most of your points? Yeah, I mean, you didn't initially, but I've brought you around. No, I think we're playing devil's advocate here to show both sides, especially because this article we were referencing, just to be clear, was should Supreme Court justices have term limits, pros and cons? And that's what we were having a discussion about. Um, All right, well, I think that's it for the Supreme Court. Do you want to do any bit? I don't, you, come on, it's been six months. That's unfair. Okay, fair. I, I don't we'll know what sign a bit out of this and a hook and a uh, whatever. No. I don't want to lose your attention. All, All right. right, signing out. Until next time. Say bye. Oh, bye.